Think about the things that we could be investing in or creating for our families if childcare was free and readily available. It would be a game changer for every woman I know. And welcome to the latest episode of the Finding Fearless podcast. We're going to do things a little bit differently today. I have been talking a lot with my team about some shifts we're thinking about for the upcoming season, one of which is I'm going to start putting together a few solo episodes to talk to you all about some topics that have been on my mind or things that we're seeing people ask us about on social media or just to share a little bit more about my story and what it has taken to become the fearless founder that I am today. Today's topic is something that is burning inside my brain. I feel like I need to give a little bit of a TED talk on it because it has been something that our fearless team has been experiencing quite personally over the past couple of years. And that is the issue of childcare and in particular affordable access to childcare and childcare availability so that moms can be able to participate in the workforce. As many of you know, our Fearless Foundry team is all women and four of us are moms. And we have had our first employee go on paid maternity leave, which was a huge goal of mine to be able to offer that to a team member. But navigating all of this as a employer and as a leader has been the most challenging thing in my career so far, because I myself am a working mom, which is not for the faint of heart. And even though I have tons and tons of resources and support systems around me and feel super privileged to have those, I don't often feel like I am doing a great job at both. And so Obviously, I empathize with the working moms on my team and recognize that there are ways in which we have to shift to be able to support them and being able to be parents as well as productive employees. But the thing that has got me pissed off today or that's really burning in my mind is, you know, as many of you know, there is this huge Build Back Better plan that the Biden administration has been pushing for with Congress and trying to get in that plan, paid parental leave has been a priority that suddenly fell off the docket this past week. And I am pissed off about it, to say the least, because we have done our best to be able to support our own employee taking paid family leave. And luckily, you know, for this employee, she exists in Washington State, where we've got some FMLA policies that came into effect this past year. But even then, navigating this as an employer was a goddamn nightmare. We had bought a short-term disability policy, knowing that we were going to have future employees that were going to want to have a, a maternity leave, and we'd offered it in their employment contracts. And we were under the perception that this policy that we had been paying for was going to completely cover the cost of that maternity leave, or at least up to about like 90%, and then we would make up the difference. And... That was not the case at all. In fact, it turned out that because of the fact that our state has FMLA coverage, the policy that we paid for basically balked at paying the employee anything, saying it's FMLA's job to cut the check, and our team was on the hook for more than we expected. And luckily, you know, we had enough room in our budget to be able to cover that cost, but the entire process required us 
spending hours and hours on the phone with providers who had no idea what we were talking about, who were completely unhelpful, who were super rude to our employee. And then when it came to navigating things with our state, the state didn't even have accurate information and was telling us one thing and telling our employee another, and at one point wouldn't even allow us to continue to communicate with them. And I don't know about you, but if you are somebody who has just had a baby, the last fucking thing you want to be doing is being on hold with a state employment office that's going to tell you whether or not you're allowed to get paid family leave. And it's incredibly stressful to put that pressure on a new mom who only should be worrying about, you know, caring for a new child. And the fact that at the national level, we do not have something like this in place is disgraceful in my opinion. There are so, so, so many other countries, I think it's like us and like Papua New Guinea or something like that, that do not have some level of federal paid leave for parents. And it's embarrassing that we are at this place in a country where we still can't get this kind of legislation passed because there's so many men in Congress who just don't think it is a priority. And we as women do not have enough voting power to be able to push for this to change. And the thing is, the data shows how important this is. If you look at countries that have paid family leave, you will see this trend where they have lower rates of infant mortality, lower rates of maternal mortality, lower rates of domestic violence, lower rates of kids going into foster care or alternative care systems because the families are not properly connected to the children they're having. And ultimately, families thrive in an environment where this exists because they're able to properly bond and provide and care for the children that they're having. And yet here in America, we still have a system that just thinks that women should drop out whatever of whatever they were doing, have children, and not get paid for that labor. Which brings me <laughs> to the other thing that I feel compelled to rant about a little bit this morning, which is childcare. So Allegedly, there's still about $400 billion inside of the Build Back Better plan for expanding access to childcare and universal pre-K. But that doesn't mean that women have access to the care that they need. You know, so many people thought, oh, yeah, just because school is going back in some sort of in-person format, that women would be rushing back to the workplace. But that's assuming that we have coverage around the clock that school actually happens. So case in point in my family, my oldest, his school starts at 9.10 and it gets out at three o'clock, but on Wednesdays they get out at one o'clock. And I, if I want to work a normal nine to five, have to have other support systems in place to drop him off at school, to pick him up from school because the school canceled his bus route this year. And I don't trust a nine-year-old to just hang out at home prior to me going to work or, you know, after he gets home from from the end of his school day. And so we as a family have had to invest a ton of money into care during those hours in between. And I have a ton of mom friends who are in similar predicaments where it's like their youngest school doesn't start till 10, then their next one gets dropped off. And then by the time they turn around from picking up and dropping off, they've lost the entire day. And they have no capacity to work. And so just because kids are back in school doesn't mean that we have the coverage we need. And most moms I know struggle to afford before and after care. And so they're having to flex on hours and definitely not full-time hours to be able to be there for their kids before they go to and when they get home from school. And again, even if you can afford the care, 
that's assuming you have access to it. So I remember very, very well when my youngest was born, we were living in Seattle and like so many parents had recommended, we went and we put ourselves on a childcare wait list while I had been like maybe six or eight weeks pregnant. It was super early on. And we were told, you know, maybe if we were super lucky within a year or a year and a half, a spot would become available. And Instead of having a spot available after he was born, I was taking my youngest to and from my office every single day on the light rail. I would pack up this tiny little baby. It was the middle of winter. And so I would put him in his little like snowsuit and I would ride the light rail with him in a stroller every day to my office because his dad was a firefighter who would work a 24 hour shift. And then on his way home, James would pick Alder up, usually around nine or 10 o'clock. And this is something I would do almost every other day. And if it wasn't for James's unique schedule and my mom's ability to help, I would not have been able to return to my work role because I literally wouldn't have had care. And what I'm seeing is this pattern where women, whether they want to or not, are having to drop working entirely in, and, and working in any full-time capacity while they have little kids. You know, we have team members who are struggling to be able to work on our team because they don't have childcare. You know, luckily for me, I moved to a place that had care open and available, but I have team members who are living in childcare deserts and they've applied for everything and are waiting and waiting and waiting, but will not be able to have access to the care they need. And that's forcing them out of the workforce. And the thing that blows my mind about all of this is not just the fact that we're still in this predicament. I mean, sometimes when I hear these stories, I feel like we're still living in the 1950s where it just blows my mind that the only option for women is to quit working in order to provide care for their kids. But the other thing that just like gets me so twisted up is that we as a country are missing out massively on economic opportunities, innovation, you know, strides in terms of equity because of the fact that we have not put support systems in place to provide access to childcare for families universally. And I don't know what it's going to take. You know, part of me goes, is $400 billion enough? You know, I look at the areas that we live in and part of the other reason it's so hard to find access to childcare is because childcare centers are super super costly to run. And then even if you're able to set up a facility, you know, your ability to hire staff is super limited because families can't afford to pay thousands and thousands of dollars a month. And so where these centers are cutting, you know, costs is usually on the pay of their people. And I, you know, am somebody who spends 15% of, of, of my family's earned income a month on childcare. And I know families who are spending even more than that, 30, 40% of their income. You know, in our household, it's more than our mortgage and our car payments combined is what we spend on childcare each month. And there's a part of me that goes, okay, there's this light at the end of the tunnel that, you know, this will get better when my youngest turns five and, you know, he'll start kindergarten and things like that. But again, I know that childcare is going to be this ongoing cost for our family because The programs that the kids participate in do not correlate to the working hours that my husband and I have. And I don't want to give up my working life 
I've built a business that I am super proud of, and I want to be able to hire other women to be a part of it, particularly working moms. Unless we see a shift in the way that childcare is structured and offered in this country, I will continue to have to be super flexible in the way that I hire working moms because of the fact that I know that they don't have the support systems in place that they need to succeed. And I'm all about reinventing the way we work. I'm all about, you know, questioning whether or not we need to be in a nine to five capacity and, you know, can we flex hours and can we create part-time roles and can we do things that at least give women the opportunity to step up into something and continue their career rather than taking this huge gap that they're penalized for. But at the same token, I watch moms struggle because they want to be able to work more. And yet they feel like they can't because they have that overwhelming impending feeling of I'm failing at being a mom and I'm failing at being an employee because they both, they want to give both of those things more, but they're completely capped. They're just completely at capacity. And so it's, it's a feminist issue, in my opinion, you know, that we really have to come to terms with as a nation. And we as women need to really, really push back against anybody that is claiming that this kind of care is not necessary. You know, I thought because of the pandemic that people would finally open their eyes and realize how essential it is for us to be providing this sort of support to families because it seemed like for once people were aware of how much effort and energy was being put in to caring for kids. And I thought, you know, when, when people watch the mass exodus of women from the workforce, we would finally recognize that we have a system in place that relies so heavily on the unpaid labor of women that we would see shifts and changes. But part of me wonders, you know, if we have a culture and a system in place that just doesn't give a shit about women and thinks that, you know, our careers don't matter. And therefore, you know, taking that time off is our obligation. You know, I saw articles this this past week. Some of you will probably have seen these floating around the web. And it was these interviews with these, I'm sorry, I'm going to say it, dick-ass <laughs> CEOs, tech CEOs, tech bros, talking about how they felt that, you know, taking paid leave as a man was a sign of weakness. And this is the antithesis of what we need as a culture. We don't need tech bros telling us how support should be laid out for families. We need women's voices at the forefront demonstrating why this is so essential. And I don't know what it's going to take to get our Congress to recognize the way in which this is impacting families. But every time a jobs report comes out, every time you know the GDP data comes out, people seem to be shocked and surprised that we're not rebounding and recovering from this pandemic in the way that they think that we should be. And the answer to this is super simple. If we want to grow as a nation, if we want to progress in our standing in the world, we have to put the fundamental rights of women and children first. And that starts with paid parental leave and access to universal childcare that is affordable or better yet free, in my opinion. I mean, think about the things that we could create from an economic standpoint if childcare was free. Think about the things that we could be investing in or creating for our families 
if childcare was free and readily available. It would be a game changer for every woman I know and, and the progress that we could create in our careers. And what I want to say here too is that I'm not the kind of woman that, that, that bashes on somebody who doesn't want to work. You know, I think that there's been this dichotomy for a really long time between the working moms and the non-working moms. And, you know, as if these are, these are two teams that are against each other, but in reality, whatever a mom wants to be able to do, she should be supported in. And just because a woman is not in the workplace in this very moment doesn't mean she shouldn't be able to step back in should she change her mind. But ultimately, no woman should be forced into a position of stepping back from paid work if that's not of her own volition. And I think that many, many women in this moment are scaled back not because they want to, but because there isn't support and resources available to them to make it possible. I want to shout out a couple of things that give me hope as we wrap up this episode and my rant a little bit. You know, there's organizations out there that I do think are making a difference and making strides in this, this arena and ultimately are pushing forward this conversation in a really, really important way. You know, one that we're super proud to work with is an organization called Mom Up. And they are focused on helping women re-enter the workforce after a period of time off and helping them, one, align with potential job opportunities, but two, giving them counseling and coaching to help them really step up and shine in an interview setting, you know, maybe get additional training to bring them up to speed after changes in the workforce and and polish up their resume so that they can really align with a well-paying opportunity that reflects their talent and expertise. So shout out to them for the work they're doing. Similarly, for those of you who don't know about it, Mom Project is a amazing site that is a, is essentially like a, a job site for women that are, you know, working moms looking for employers that are aligned with supporting women in the workplace. And so they have grown tremendously. I think they just raised a new round of funding too. And, you know, I really, really hope that they are the kind of organization that's going to continue to shift this conversation and push employers to think about how can they be not just hiring moms, but then offering the kind of flexibility and structure that we need to be able to be successful and shine in our jobs. And then a third one that I have to mention as well, because we've been doing some work with them recently, is learning motherhood. And learning motherhood is focused kind of in a twofold way. One is being a resource and support system for moms that are re-entering the workplace after having a baby. And the second is training and educating and consulting with organizations on how they can be more amenable and hospitable and helpful to moms as they re-enter the workforce after the birth of a new child. And so we've been working with them a little bit to help navigate our first, you know, employee re-entry after, after somebody has been on maternity leave. And they've been a hugely, hugely helpful resource to us. And I have a lot of hope that their work and their organization will make this this transition that so many moms go through less challenging. And now I want to pose a question to you all as my audience. You know, there are so many different ways that we as women have, you know, pivoted and pirouetted and figured out how the heck to make this thing work when it comes to kids 
and, you know, running a company or, you know, just being a part of the workforce in general. And so many of the women that I've interviewed on this podcast in the past, you know, that was part of their motivation for becoming an entrepreneur is because they were a part of a a corporate or more traditional work environment that they knew was not going to offer them the flexibility or the support or, or a structure that really made sense for them when they became a parent. And so I'm very curious to hear from you all as the audience, you know, about what, how are you feeling about this issue? What shifts are you seeing either in, in your organization or in the world at large, in your friend group? You know, do you see your friends stepping back from work? Do you see your friends shifting into, you know, creating their own sort of employment so that they can have the sort of support and, and structures that they need to be present for their family during this, this time? Because I will tell you, I have never mommed as hard as I've had to mom in the past couple of years, particularly for my oldest with online schooling. And even now that the kids are back in school, you know, the academic environment, it's been a struggle to say the least, you know, to make sure that he's on track and, you know, really engaged in the learning that's happening. And so it requires a level of presence and emotional support that parents have had to really step up and into. I feel like, you know, I'm not just mom, I'm like a therapist and a teacher and all these other roles on top of, you know, who I am inside of my company or in my partnership. And so I just want to hear from y'all. What are y'all doing that's working? What are the shifts that you're seeing inside of the women around you, you know, to be able to be a support system for their family and their kids during this time? And what is the change that you believe needs to happen? You know, for me, I think that this legislation is not enough and seeing the parental leave portion stripped out of it, again, is infuriating. We are so far behind other countries on this issue. And again, I don't know if $400 billion is going to be enough to really provide us with universal nationwide childcare that is accessible to all families. So I'm curious for your brilliant ideas, what are the shifts you hope to see so that any woman who wants to be a part of the working world can do so and be successful. All right, y'all, that is my thoughts for this week's Finding Fearless episode. I would love for you to reach out to me on social media to share your feedback and the things that you're thinking about when it comes to this topic. You can find me on social media, so on Instagram and Twitter, at Madeline K. Pratt. And then, of course, the Fearless Foundry is at Fearless Foundry. But we would love to know your thoughts, feelings, the way this is affecting you personally, so that we can share your thoughts and stories on future episodes. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in. Until next time, I'm your host, Madeline Pratt, and you've been listening to the Finding Fearless podcast.